This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, what's it like to have Christ for a king? That's the question raised directly or indirectly by all the readings for this weekend. Let's begin with the magnificent little passage from the book of the prophet Zechariah. It's our first reading today. It's interesting, the book of of the prophet Zechariah is clearly one that Jesus read carefully and used as an interpretive key to his own ministry. Walk through the book of the prophet Zechariah and notice how many points of contact there are with Jesus. Well, in the passage for today, the prophet is dreaming, prophesying if you want, about the return of a definitive Davidic king who would restore the splendor and glory of Israel and hence bring peace to the nations. As I've said to you many times before, this is a central theme of the Bible. Adam was the first king presiding over a properly ordered garden. One way to read his sin was a suspension of right kingship. It was bad leadership. And ever since then, God's been looking for his viceroy. He's looking for human beings who will rule in his name. And according to his purposes. And that kingship, that new Adam, would attract the other nations. So that all the world would become a rightly ordered place. That's the biblical vision. It's a vision, it's a dream that haunted the imaginations of many of the prophets. The psalmists too, you hear it over and over again in the psalms. And we recall... It's found in the second book of Samuel that Yahweh, through the prophet Nathan, had promised that the Davidic line would last forever. Now, by Zechariah's time, this had been proven false, at least in the literal sense. David's line had come to an end. But nevertheless, and this is the key point, nevertheless, Israel continued to dream and to hope, maybe hoping against hope, For this king, this king, this new Adam, this new Mashiach, anointed one, this new David. The substance of the hope, again, was that God himself would come to reign precisely through a successor to David. And that he would become thereby the king of the whole world. That's the dream. So, listen to Zechariah with all that in mind. Rejoice heartily. O daughter Zion, shout for joy, O daughter Jerusalem. See, your king shall come to you. A just savior is he. Now, can you sense a resonance of this in your own hearts? 
you who night after night watch the evening news and find it so demoralizing, look around the world and see chaos and disorder and dysfunction and violence, you who look around your own families and often see this dysfunction, can you hear in your own hearts, this sense in your own hearts, this resonance, this longing for the king, for somebody who would set things right, for a, and this is Zechariah's language, a just savior. Savior means healer. A just healer who will set things right, put an end to injustice. See, that's what's behind Zechariah's cry, behind his prophecy. Well, how will this king come? He will come, we hear, in peace. And the sign will be, listen now, I'm quoting, he's riding on a colt, the foal of an ass. Now, now don't read this right away. We tend to read it as, oh, that means humility. He's riding this little simple animal. But that's missing it. Because the colt here was the proper mount of an Israelite king when that king was coming in peace. See, if the king was coming in wartime, he'd be on a great steed, a great uh, battle, you know, uh, horse. But when he was coming in peace, this is precisely how he was expected to come. So what Zechariah is prophesying is someday this great king of peace will arrive. And listen now, he's not going to engage in battle in the usual sense of the term. In fact, he'll put an end to the weapons of war. Listen. He shall banish the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The warrior's bow shall be banished, and he shall proclaim peace to the nations. Now, put in our terms, the nuclear weapons will be taken away. The tanks will be taken away. The mighty armies will be uh, disbanded. That's what he's saying. This king will put an end to the ways of war and establish peace. Notice too, please, he's not fighting his way into this state. He's banishing the instruments of war. He's proposing a whole new way. See, if he's just one more violent king who overthrows the old violent king, then he's staying in the old system. You know, watch that in all the mythologies of the world, all the way up to Game of Thrones today. If it's just violence supplanting violence, we're not getting anywhere. What Zechariah is envisioning is a whole new arrangement. That's the point. Now, now, with that great reading in mind, we Christians, of course, begin to see this figure who 500 years after Zechariah entered the holy city of David just as Zechariah said he would. Jesus enters Jerusalem on a colt, on the foal of an ass. Humility, maybe, but the main point is he's arriving as the peaceful king, the one who would banish the weapons of war, who would introduce, listen, a whole new way of ordering things. And we saw it now just a few days after that entrance. Jesus' kingship, his generalship, if you want, is expressed on the cross when he submits to the violence of the world. That's what that cross is meant to symbolize for us now. Not just Roman 
punishment. It is that. But it's the whole of human dysfunction. It's all the false and dark and fallen dysfunctional ways of the world. Jesus takes all that darkness on. He allows it to overwhelm him, to spend itself on him. And then he swallows it up in the ever greater divine mercy. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead shows his lordship over the darkness of the world. It shows that he represents a new kind of kingship. What Zechariah dreamed about long ago, the coming of the new David, happened in him. There's Christianity. There's the gospel, if you want. Now, with that in mind, everybody, look at the gospel for today. Because this king, this strange, countercultural, new Davidic king, speaks. And here's what he says. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Who are those who labor and are burdened? Well, it's everybody in his time all the way to our time. Why? Who live under the burden of the old world. See, I'm driving it. This world that was invented with original sin and has perdured down through the ages. Violence meeting violence. Hatred meeting hatred. Vengeance giving rise to vengeance. I hate you, you hate me. My family hates your family, they hate my family. We're all caught in this thing. We're caught in it. We're born into it. We breathe it in as children. It becomes part and parcel of our whole way of being. John, in, the, in his gospel, calls it the world, the world, right? That's what it means to labor and be burdened. What is Jesus saying to us? Come to me. Come to me, all of you in that situation, and I'll give you rest. People with economic worries, physical suffering, oppression, deep injustice, one's own sinfulness, one's own spiritual dread, one's fear of death, Whatever it is, come to him. And what's the answer? The answer is submitting to his kingship, his new way of ordering things. See, listen to me. Whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, you're somebody's slave. We all are. We're all slaves to this whole system I've been describing, this cosmos, this world. The new king says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. See, we're meant to imagine ourselves here as, as beasts of burden. Think of a yoke that's, that's on the shoulders of, of oxen or cattle. Tied under this yoke and under the command of the farmer. Now, I know this all seems demeaning. But see, this is what submission to Christ's lordship looks like. It means we serve the purposes of the new king. We go where he wants us to go. The question, see, that this image of the yoke, take my yoke upon you, the question is meant to awaken is, is Christ commanding your life in every detail? Is he the lord of your family life? Is your family under his guidance. How about your recreational life? 
your professional life? Are they under the lordship of Jesus? Is he lord of every room in your house? Including the bedroom, by the way. The church's sexual teaching, which is always so controversial, what's it meant to say? That my sexual life is not just my own prerogative. It belongs to him. It must be a place where his love is expressed. Does your sexuality belong to him? Do your friendships serve his purpose? Are you totally given over to him under his lordship? See, I know this sounds oppressive, but see, remember, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's the point. When we surrender to the path of love, which he's laid out to us, when we submit ourselves to the discipline of this new world, our lives become infinitely lighter, easier, more joyful, and they begin to move according to the divine rhythm and the divine purpose. See, what makes our lives burdensome, everybody, is that we are held captive to the old way of ordering things. He's the king who's come as Zechariah said he would. He's come in peace. He's established a new order where the divine love is more powerful than the world. Submit to it. See, submit to it. Get under its yoke. Move according to its rhythms and patterns. Jesus calls this conversion to the kingdom, doesn't he? This new way. So that's the question we're left with. As the new king enters Jerusalem, imagine him entering your life. You're meant to be a holy city. The whole of you is meant to be a holy city. Christ comes in now. Will you submit to his lordship? Will you take his yoke upon you? And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love.